listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and today we've got a bit of a special memorial type of episode. Joining me is uh, Craig Smith from Pods and Sods and Sound of the Sunset, Sound of the Sea, and Same Page Cast. And I'm introducing him like that because we're here to celebrate the life of the cosmic cowboy himself, Michael Nesmith. How are you, you hanging in there, Craig? uh as well as can be expected how about you it it's 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 tough you know you know the tough week i've had and then to lose one of what's become my favorite songwriters on top of that it just kind of felt like a bit of a blow especially because i just saw him like a few months ago and he was so he was you could tell he was older and he was like he was using a cane now but man he was so full of life and happy so it's it's still kind of surprising that he's gone yeah i um I didn't see this tour, but, um, and I know that he was, uh, from all reports and all things I've seen, very animated as much as he could possibly be. Yeah. Um, If there was one thing that came across, I think, was that he was absolutely happy to be doing this. Uh, Yeah, I agree. So, you know, it's... I mean, we'll we'll get into. I mean, being a monkey fan as long as I have, there there have been a lot of twists and turns with with Nez over the years. So and let's cut, and that's actually you bring up one of the things I was going to ask you about. Actually, you kind of created a good segue there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people have heard kind of your monkey story on your podcast and even on mine when we did our monkey set list earlier this year. Yeah. But I was thinking about you know you came in in the '80s and when you came in you had three man monkeys like. Nez, I think, was originally slated to do that reunion tour, and then once it kind of expanded, he kind of opted out. So I guess, you know, kind of like what was your, like, kind of, like, you heard his stuff on the Monkees albums, obviously, when you got him, but when did you really kind of, like, I know, dig into him deeper and kind of, like, you know, start digging into the mythos that is, you know, Michael Nesbeth? A couple things. Um, So, uh, yeah, I became a fan in 86, saw him for the first time in 87. And I think by the time uh, that I was really getting into them, he had joined them on stage in L.A. And so uh, I had kind of the uh, the vinyl bootleg of that when I was a kid. Uh, so it was kind of like this this mythical thing that happened, you know. Always enjoyed his songs, but I was uh, I was very much an '80s monkeys kid. I loved Foolin'. You know, I loved then and now, and uh, it, it probably wasn't until 1989 when uh, the newer stuff came out that I, I guess that probably would have been my first taste of his solo career. And I still love that record so much. I think uh, that was the first thing you put on after he passed. You posted that like right away. It was. I found a vinyl copy. Um, the copy I had as a kid was CD found a vinyl copy within the last few years and I just had never spun it. And as soon as I heard the news or, you know, as soon as I had my wits about me to decide to put something on, that was just kind of the first thing that popped into my mind. And uh, it was a good, a good place to revisit because I I hadn't listened to those songs in in quite a while. I think that, uh, and as we go, we'll talk about probably various points in his solo career. But for me, I love his late 70s stuff 
way more than his country stuff. I'm just not a country dude. Uh, I respect it. I think he's a phenomenal songwriter. But for me, um, I think I think he kind of really hit a great stride along the time of Infinite Rider and Big Dogma. Uh, a couple of those songs are on the newer stuff. And um, that was the springboard. I, after that, I found a cheap copy of Dogma on vinyl and then Photon Wing and then just kind of worked my way back. But that was that was where I, I started and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Those the the newer stuff, the first half or so were unreleased songs and some things that made it in television parts, television parts, things like that. But uh, and they're they're horrifically dated, uh, the 80s. But I I'll put it I'll put it I'll put it above bullet. Um, that Agreed. Stuff, you know I I just love that stuff. It's got a quirk to it that doesn't work with a lot of songwriters. It works with him. And, uh, and so that's kind of where my appreciation for that quirk came from, was the newer stuff. Yeah, his sense of humor comes through on that album. You've got songs, you know, like uh, Tahiti Condos and uh, We're Gonna Drive the El Dorado to the Moon and Chow Mein and so Bowling. Good. Yeah, stuff like that, you know, it's, it's it's his little, like, you know, wink. It's always been there, and I think it came across in the TV show, too. But, man, he, he was just having fun on that album. And I agree with you on the production. It is incredibly 80s. I was listening to it, actually. I, I just got the, that album for the first time uh, on CD this year. Um, and I'd avoided it for a while because I was under the impression, like, because there's the old stuff as well, and that's just a hits collection. So I'm like, okay, it's going to be stuff I already have. And then I'm like, wait there are eight songs on here. I don't know. And there's like a bunch, like a handful at the end that I do. I'm like, well, then this is worth picking up. And I, I spun that these last few days out. Cause you kind of inspired that. And yeah, there's some good stuff on there. Like dream. I think it's called dreaming or dreamer. Like it's a dreamer. Yeah. It's such a wonderful trippy little song. So yeah, there's some good stuff on there. Which wasn't on the vinyl. And uh, I totally oh. forgotten, totally forgotten that the vinyl was missing four of the tracks from the CD. Oh, it's missing four. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, five songs in each side, I think it was. Damn. Oof. Well, that, that's one I wouldn't want to lose. I, I... Oh, I'm right. Yeah, it was it was it was fine. You lose uh you lose that, you lose Casablanca Moonlight. Uh yeah. So but it was, you know, it was a nice compact listen. But it, as it was going, I was like, yeah, this isn't it's a lot shorter. Shorter than I remember. Yeah, and then and then you're like, oh wait, there's tracks missing. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Let me rewind. Let me. Uh, I, I might have come across Elephant Parts first. Oh really? Uh, yeah, because I can't see interesting. Any way, I can't see any way that I would not when it aired uh, on VHS. Um, right. It was either the the Home Companion Television Parts or Elephant Parts. Uh, but I can't remember if that came before or after the newer stuff. If I if I saw it, I would have rented it just out of curiosity. Uh, so I if if that was available to me before the newer stuff, I probably would have seen those couple of songs first. But even having said that, that's a very small overlap. You get all that new stuff um, on the newer stuff, plus the uh, you know the the other older tracks that weren't on television, elephant parts and television parts. So. Um, it all blends together, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm probably twice as old as you are. 
<laughs> well, on that, I'll do my little uh, intro to Nez. Uh, so I got into the Monkees in uh, 2017, not, not 2017, 2018. Early 2018, I jumped in after being kind of like listening to all the pods and sods episodes and just being really curious. And it seemed like when I was getting into the monkeys, there was kind of like, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but there was like a bubbling up of Nez as a solo artist again. Like I noticed he was coming to some of the smaller venues in my area with the first national band. And then 7A was doing some stuff. And then when the Mike and Mickey show tour was announced, there was you know, part of that announcement was there would be focus on Nez's material, including the solo stuff. So I kind of, from the start, was like, okay, I should probably check this out just so I'm familiar with it. And I really enjoyed what I heard. I enjoyed him as a songwriter. Like, I do like some of that country rock stuff quite a bit. So it was right up my alley, especially because it's not, like, I like country music, but I really like it when someone's not afraid to come in and shake it up. Like, this is not Nashville country music. This is not, you know, like, Glenn Campbell or someone like that this this is this is like this is the cosmic cowboy for real so I really like those albums and I, I I bonded with them very quickly as much as I did with the monkey stuff and then I remember I think I think that year uh Nesmith Live at the Troubadour came out as well I think that was 20, 2018 and then that kind of like cemented everything for me like I love that live record and then uh yeah I saw the, I saw the monkeys that year and that was incredible and then at the beginning of 2019, I saw what I'm still saying is one of my favorite shows of all time. I saw Nesmith on the Hits Just Keep Coming tour with uh, <sighs> Pete Finney on steel guitar. It was incredible. Like, and I, I'm kind of wondering if that's one of the last times Nez really like played guitar and like held a show down. Like, not to say he didn't play guitar on like the second part of the Mike and Mickey tour, but he had he had backup. Like, no, this was just him and and Pete and. Tim telling stories and it was just so cool so intimate like it was yeah it's hard to describe but it was just such a fun show and he told stories about medicated uh you know THC infused peanut Peanut butter butter. yep and uh told the medicated jiff yep medicated jiff and he told a great story about the song Joanne and how someone was telling him it was their wedding song but he was like how do I tell the guy that song is actually a lament it's not supposed to be a happy song so yeah, that was a great show, and it'll always stick out in my head. Uh, that's kind of how I, I prefer to remember Nez, and I'm hoping, like I, I mentioned before, like someone put GoPros on stage to record it, so I'm hoping that 7A or someone like recorded the show and it's going to come out at some point. But yeah, like Nez, I don't know if I have a favorite monkey, but if I had to pick, he's probably pretty close. Yeah, in terms of favorite monkey, it's it's always changed year over year. You know? Yeah. It really depends on. I'm going on, I guess, 35 years as a Monkees fan, so it, it, it's it's just been a lot of incarnations and a lot of inner band workings that have informed my uh, extreme fandoms, uh, you know, at, at times and and disappointment at times, to be honest, you know. Uh, but that's you know that's going to happen with any fandom, you know, if yeah. you're honest with yourself and with the artist. I don't think that's a bad thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there, there's stuff in the catalog I'm not a big, big fan of. I still haven't totally wrapped my head around the prison. Uh, it has songs I like, but I, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one for me still. But, Interesting. Are you, which, which version are you listening to? Because there are three. There's three versions of that thing? <laughs> yeah, the, um, original, the original vinyl okay. was the original mix. When it came out on CD in like the early 90s, it was remixed with like uh, redone keyboards and I think percussion. Mm. 
And then I think it was remixed again for streaming or for digital download, maybe on Video Ranch. But if you find it elsewhere, it might be that third version as well. The original vinyl version has never been released digitally, mm. which is a shame. Okay, I've got the second version then because that's how yeah. I listen to it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I will say there's a song on there I'm going to talk about later, but uh, we're going we're gonna to play some songs in this episode as well. Craig, you're the guest. I'd like you to go first. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, and uh, I'll lead up with just a little bit of a story to it. Um, in 1987, when my fandom was really peaking, uh, I came across an album called uh, Missing Links, mm. which uh, I was not expecting to see in a store, and I looked at it, and it was 12 monkey songs I had only read about in a sessionography uh, in a monkey scrapbook that sent me on a journey uh, very, very deep into the monkey's catalog. Uh, in school, I met a friend whose name was Dawn um, in middle school, and she was a monkey's fan as well. And she had a tape of rarities, which was deemed mostly obsolete by the time Missing Links came out, but there were a few things on there that still hadn't been released. So she made me a copy of this, and there's a song on there called St. Matthew, which uh, below the hiss and uh, generations and generations of being copied down from whatever questionable source it came from, uh, I was like, this is, this is my absolute favorite monkey song. And it was released in 1990 on Missing Links 2. Uh, but it, it wasn't the same. Even now, uh, I, I recently, within the last couple of years, borrowed those cassettes from her, which she still had. And wow. it still got that bit of mysteriousness to it that was gone once I heard it remixed in the 90s. Uh, the vocal had the vocal in the original, the original mix had a great Leslie effect on it. It was psychedelic country. When, when I think of like, um, or even when I see all these tributes that are pouring out now, like when I think of psychedelic country, this is what, that's my sweet spot with Nez and country, what he did when he was in the monkeys in 68, uh, those sessions he did were fantastic. We could fill episodes with just those. Oh yeah. But this was a, a track that, that meant a lot to me very early. It was my favorite monkey song. Then still my favorite monkey song. Uh, I had a meet and greet with him. Uh, I'm glad I did it uh, last year where I asked him a bit about the song and I'm not entirely sure he answered me, but <laughs> he um, he put together a bunch of words that sounded really good. Uh, and uh, I think they meant something to him talking about it. And that was, that was good for me. So the first song that I'm picking uh, originally unreleased is St. Matthew. Great choice. I love that song too. And that was one I was going to pick if you didn't, but I was going to be surprised if you didn't. So yeah. Yeah. I, I try to um, switch up my, because I, I do have my NES go-tos. Um, I'm trying to think of different ones for this. Uh, so I'm, I'm also curious to see what you're going to pick. Oh yeah. I, I will just say for St. Matthew real quick, I'll never forget uh, going to see the monkeys for the first time and then playing that. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? Because I didn't have Missing Links 2 yet, and I didn't have uh, the instant replay with the bonus tracks. So yeah. 
So I, I was completely in the dark as to what, what, what came after Birth of an Accidental Hipster that night. But yeah, I, I eventually hearing the original version was just, yeah, I was blown away. And I was blown away again when I got to hear it a couple months ago. I was glad they kept that in the set. And that was one of the moments in the night. Uh, I, I don't think it's any secret that Nez had some timing issues on the tour, but that was one song he really held it together. He, that was one of his best performances of the night. So and that's yeah. a hell of a vocal on that. You know, it, those are some high notes. Oh yeah, I mean Mickey stepped in and helped sure like he does, yeah, on that live record. But it, yeah, it was still great. That was a highlight. So give us a little intro. Uh, yeah, so this was uh, a a monkeys. Well, I say monkeys. Uh, Mike is the only uh, monkey on it, uh, but he wrote it. It was inspired by Bob Dylan. There's a great uh, acoustic demo of it on a seven inch that came with the uh, Birds Bees box set, I believe. Uh, and, and here it is. I think it's absolutely brilliant. St. Matthew. She walks around on brass rings that never touch her feet. She speaks in conversations that never are complete. So you brought up something I wanted to touch on. You got to do that Nez meet and greet, which uh, was something I was kind of dancing around and kind of bummed I'd ever pulled the trigger on now. But uh, what what can you or do you want to share from from that experience? Like um, like looking back on it, like you know, 
was it everything you hoped it would be? You know, like, what was that like? You know, I, I never went back and watched it uh, because I felt very self-conscious about it. Uh, but uh, what I, I, there are a few things I remember. I was sitting near, I was working from home at the time, and I was sitting near an open window, which on Zoom just per, presented a big white light next to me. And he took it to be a television. <laughs> and I didn't realize that. And he, he asked me what I did for a living. And I was talking to him about it. And he's like, you know, I, I used to be in TV too. And I was like, oh, this is, we're off to a weird start because that's not, <laughs> that's not what I was talking about. Um, but we talked about uh, St. Matthew. Uh, specifically, I, my question was, and I'm still fascinated by this. When you record a song nearly 50 years ago, it's not released. It sits, it would have sat in a vault forever had Andrew Sandoval and Bill Inglot not, uh, you know, raided the vaults to bring us so many monkeys outtakes. So my, my questions were about like, how does that come back to you? that do you remember it do you have to relearn it how and, and he, he talked a lot about how it's in here in his heart um and and said a lot of other marijuana influence things that <laughs> sounded really good um we uh oh my goodness what else um he did uh end the call by uh he autographed the uh a record for me and um we were wrapping up and uh you know i wished him well with his health and everything and he he said uh i, I can't remember exactly what he said but he said but why should i speak since i know nothing oh wow uh, and then uh i and then he said you know that's from head like <laughs> just the way he said that <laughs> like, that's that's or he said uh it's a little riff from head and i was like it is thank you um i would have been fine with just that moment but the the thing about the meet and greet was that he he was very and i've always heard this about people that have met him and talked to him he wanted to have a conversation with you um and i think that um the, I, I never got to, uh, I, I did meet him in a monkeys convention finally in 2013, 14. Um, but uh, like even the people that went to those conversations that happened after shows all said the same thing. He, he, he was the one asking questions, hmm. which I always thought was great. Um, I've met Mickey probably 10 times and I, we might have exchanged five. Mickey's just not that kind of guy to meet and greet, but Michael was really, really good with his time. Uh, and so, um, you know, there's a, a lot of stuff like that. There wasn't any downtime in the conversation. There were just times where I was just like, I could have really said that. Better. Uh, yeah. But that was more to do with me than him. And uh, yeah, I, I was glad that I, I sprung forward. It was kind of my... Uh, quarantine pandemic treat to myself. And that, uh, I'm glad I did it. 
That's so cool. I, I feel you though. Like I was nervous enough when I, I got to shake Mickey's hand and he signed my DVD I had. So and I felt like I stumbled over some words. So I feel, I feel you there. If I had to watch that conversation back, I'd probably cringe. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it just always, or 95% of the time never comes out the way you rehearse it in your head. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and when I, when I met him in person, um, I didn't have a whole lot to say to him. It was at the monkeys convention. Uh, and uh, I had him sign a copy of the prison. Uh, and uh, he had a bit to say about it. You know, he's like, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a record with a book. And I was like, it is. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> is. And I've, I've read it. I've read it while listening to it. Uh, so yeah. Um, I, I just think that uh, he was, from from what I've seen, really good with fans, which yeah, he, uh, I appreciate it. He seems incredibly, like, deep in a way, like, like just from reading his book, even, like, he wants to know more, and I think that's why maybe he talked to people like that. He just wanted to know more yeah. about, about everyone. So, yeah, that that's kind of cool that that came across, and I'm going to steal your little story and use it as a way to transition into my first pick. Uh, so I mentioned the prison earlier. Um, when I saw Nez at that show in 2019, where he played all of the hits, just keep coming. Um, he, he played some other solo tracks that night and he introduced a song called Marie's theme and he played it and my jaw hit the floor. I was like, this song is gorgeous. And I was just so taken back by, by that when the show was over, the first thing I did before I even stood up to leave the venue was I pulled my phone out and I went on Amazon and I bought the CD <laughs> because I was that blown away by the song. It was, I was just like, this is just so beautiful. Like to me, it's the most accessible song on that al album. Everything on there is kind of a little heady, a little trippy and at times very repetitious, yeah. but man, it's such a beautiful song about, you know, love. That's just like, it's not just romantic love. It's just like love for someone as a person. And I love the way he puts it across and talks like uses the flower as a metaphor so yeah that, that that's my fir first pick i was just so moved by that song that night i had to have that song in my life and i'm gonna play the version the alternate version that he recorded around the time he did uh standard ranch stash yeah very, any thoughts on that one great song um i was uh i guess i saw him live solo for the first time in 2013. you know i was thinking when i was just talking about meeting him at the convention this is something that I never thought I never thought I'd see him live on a stage solo or with the monkeys. So it was it was a big deal when he um, started to come around. And I, I'm very thankful that we got almost 10 years of him touring fairly regularly. I mean, he came around here a number of times. And the first time I saw him was in 2013 in Philly, front row. Uh, and uh, he did Marie's theme, and I was, I was also blown away. I, I may not have looked at set list spoilers, so I think that I was kind of surprised by the trip tech from the prison that he decided to do. Um, but yeah, uh, so good, so good. He, he he did three songs from the prison that night. Wow, pretty sure he did. Yeah, he did um, uh, "Life the Unsuspecting Captive," Marie's oh. theme, and the closing theme, "Lamppost." Oh, I love lampposts too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm good. Like I said, I'm going to use that alternate version. It's on the, it came out on that, uh, 
different drum lost RCA recordings compilation yep. that came out this year. And that's, I, I know it's not technically a new release, but man, it's one of my favorite things that came out this year. Um, so from the lost recordings, this is Marie's theme. Believe me. 
Another thing I wanted to touch on is just kind of how you perceived Mike, Mike as a Monkees fan um, because he wasn't there. And then you mentioned, you know, you weren't sure you'd even ever get to see him on a stage. And then in the 90s, that reunion happens and it implodes quickly. It implodes very quickly. Um, so that so that opportunity was lost. And I've always heard around that time people kind of thought Mike was kind of grumpy or didn't enjoy being a monkey. And it's something I kind of tended to hear over and over again, even when I became a fan, like there was some like, Oh, now he's coming back. Like after like when the Mike and Mickey show started, like now he's coming back to playing the monkeys again, which I just thought was so weird. I don't, there's nothing really that makes me think Mike ever hated being a monkey, but I don't know. I was curious what you thought on that. Well, I, I a couple minds about it. Um, as a kid and probably into the middle of being a fan, I, I think I've always just been, I, I found him a riddle because I did think of him as the businessman on the West Coast that was too busy to tour with the Monkees, uh, which is true. I mean, that's, that's just fact. I, seeing like telephone, Television. I keep, I keep wanting to say telephant. Television <laughs> and <laughs> elephant parts. It's way past my bedtime. Um, seeing that sort of... It's like you see him kind of be silly in the monkeys a little bit. Like, yeah. As much as he wants to give you. Him yawning in the background during a performance while he's playing guitar. Right? Uh, that kind of thing. Uh but then you see like elephant parts and it's just this crazy zany comedy. And right. I did not expect that from the dude with the, the beard uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, whenever I saw it. The justice period in the 90s was weird. I think that I, I may have even been a little checked out because I didn't like the album. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they were touring together. I was extremely bummed when it imploded before it got here. Uh, the television special in '97 was interesting but weird. Uh, so it, it's always kind of been a weird fit, and I think that it might have just come down to some of the personalities in the band that just maybe never got along that well and i i think he's kind of put it out there that uh or you know he did that there were you know members of the monkeys that he had a hard time with sometimes yeah so it, it's kind of been up and down but but all of that changed in 2012 when he walked out on stage with mickey and peter it was just how do you how do you comprehend it after so many years uh it it angered me that they got on stage and played last train to clarksville because <laughs> as soon as the second song started which was papa jeans blues as soon as nez sang 
the place went nuts. That, and I understand, you know, it's it's kind of like the egos and the monkeys always kind of did them in. And it was said oh, yeah. that um, Andrew Sandoval, um, monkeys, uh, tour manager and uh, he had said that Michael was slated to join him in 2011 when Davey was still alive and that I think he said Davey and Peter were kind of like well we don't really want to give up some of our songs for this which now you look back on it and that was the last shot they had Yeah. Um, and god damn it they didn't get it together and if they could have who knows what what the next ten years would have been like? Maybe maybe it would have imploded again. Who knows? But um, I feel like that kind of thing. It, it was just always so close, and something would fuck it up. You know? Yeah. So I, it it was frustrating to be a fan through things like that. You know. I do get that, but I don't know. Maybe it's that thing where, like, you know, I I have the benefit of seeing it all from like the moment I came in. It's true. I, it it always seems seems like in bands in general, like they're they're. Very few bands, I believe, are incapable of reuniting. The Smiths might be the one that's truly incapable of reuniting. But, but, you know, I I just looked at it as like, well, they just hadn't worked through everything. And unfortunately, nobody worked through, they weren't able to work through everything before Davey passed. And that's kind of why that ended ended up the way it did. Because I I thought Nez really enjoyed doing music. Like I listened, I listened to those records and it just seems really joyous. I just don't think maybe maybe he didn't enjoy life on the road as much, or maybe I don't know creativity just came to him differently. Because at one point, you know, there's a lot less records. Like after the newer stuff, you've got like there's like a live you know there's tropical campfires, then there's that live record in the '90s, and then there's Rays, and then there's like that's kind of it as far as like original new material goes. You got some uh, the movies movies of the mind vinyl had a side of new songs oh really uh and you can find on there um i know what i know uh pre-good times or interesting pre-good times version yeah uh along with some other stuff he had um he had a thing he was doing on his website where he was selling mp3s of new songs but he would kind of which i thought was a great thing to do he would give you access to like all of the variants as he was writing and producing the song hmm. so i think that there were like four or five i know what i knows that he put out <clears throat> excuse me on video ranch as downloads and things like that so but but to go back to the point you were saying he he he's on record as saying he wasn't a fan of a lot of the music the monkeys was doing uh, right. Probably aside from the stuff that he was writing, and you know, uh, I, I would say that he's, I would say he he's wrong, but yeah, you know, <laughs> also I could see his point of view writing such amazing songs and it's, you know, the the voice and heart hit the you know being the hit. Right. He, he he's writing nine times blue and Davies singing the day we fall in love. <laughs> yes. Yes, in a in a nutshell, yes. So, um, Andrew Sandoval did say in his kind of tribute uh, after Michael passed that 
he finally got it and finally understood why these songs were so important and why people love them. I hope that's the case. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I want to think of, you know, the last, these last shows of his, uh, where I think it's, it's kind of obvious that people knew that the end was probably closer than anybody wanted it to be. Yeah. Uh, so I really do hope that these last shows, which I, he probably had to push himself to do. Um, I mean, it's, 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 I hope that everything that was said about this tour being important to him, I mean, if he knew that he didn't have a lot of time left, I'm, the fact that he kind of gave this as a goodbye is amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I say that as somebody that sat the tour out, um, which is, you know, I, Megan and I, Megan, my girlfriend, we had said our goodbyes at a show that was going to be his last show in, uh, in LA. Yep. The Pantages show. Yeah. Uh, so that was a goodbye for us. And I think that, uh, I, I can only hope that the time that he did spend on the road was less grueling than rewarding. Um, you know, if I, if I have one wish for the guy. I, I think just speaking of someone that was there, I think, I think it was rewarding. And I think at times the, the hard part of it was like, I could see that the, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was not willing to allow him to do what he wanted to do like i i can tell he did not enjoy sitting in a chair for yeah. the show like he'd try like he'd try and get up and sing backing vocals on some songs where mickey was taking the lead and, and by the time before the song was even over he'd be back in his chair yeah. uh but he had great moments too of just like just being funny like like i remember at one point he started doing a tiktok dance which was just so <laughs> bizarre to me uh, i was like okay i've truly entered like we're in the black lodge tonight there's some weird stuff going on but yeah, there was little moments like that, or like when him and Mickey were doing a little back and forth, like they did. I remember they did Tapioca Tundra, and Mickey's like, "That's a great song, Niz, but what on earth does it mean?" And he goes, "Well, you don't understand it," and he's like, "No," and he, and he goes, "Well, I, I I like I like tapioca, and the tundras are very lovely, so there you go." Uh, yeah, you know, one of my favorite moments uh, was the I guess it was the two thousand. 13 tour when they started doing daily nightly ah. you i don't know that you would have seen that i i, I looked up the video I, okay. I think i know where this is going yeah so um uh the gag was that uh mickey would have the lyrics printed in 24 karat gold leaf and mike's end of the bargain was to come up with the most <laughs> and so Mickey pulls out this book that's I'm sure has the lyrics in it because he probably hadn't heard the song since 1967 before the tour and uh, so Mike said uh, well I don't have a Moog here but I have this and then on the screen behind them a Moog surrounded by pot plants <laughs> and uh 
Nez is just like, just do the song. I'll, I'll have you covered. <laughs> and he played it straight during the first verse. And then the second verse, and this is probably my second favorite Monkey song, to have him vocalize all of the bleeps and bloops of the Moog while Mickey tried to uh, give a dramatic reading of the song was just another great moment. It's the kind of thing where I love the song so much it should have annoyed me, but there's no <laughs> way that it could. It was just, it was so silly and wonderful. And it was another one of those things that I experienced from the front row. I was lucky enough to get front row in 2013 That's on Nez's side. So he literally just five feet in front of me, I just looked up at him while he just went <laughs> and it was fantastic. Absolutely I, mean, fantastic. I mean, that's some classic monkey's humor right there, so you can't it go is. wrong with that. It is. That's the monkey's humor that works. There was a lot of monkey's humor in the early noughts that did not. Uh, so I used to be a hot throw, but now I'm a coronary. <laughs> that's exactly the time period I'm talking about. Yep. That, um, that 2001 tour came out on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> and I had gotten it for Christmas or something. And it was it was one of those moments where Monkeys was quiet. You know, there wasn't a whole lot going on. I probably saw them last in 97 at that point. And I got the DVD for Christmas and I put it on. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not enjoying this. I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. Uh and it just, it wasn't gelling. I, I i think they've had better bands than others over the years. The band they ended with is some of the best playing. It got back to basics. Oh, yeah. Which I loved. We had some Vegasy and show tune arrangements over the years. We had metal licks in the 80s on Valerie. It's It's been quite a ride. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I, I think the last year they went out with a really but and and great humor i think that the humor that and i don't want to say anything disparaging about davy because i loved a lot of those shows i went 2011 show it's tough to say that might be the best monkey show i ever saw the last one with Davey. Wow. set list was insane yeah but then to see mike the next year great on a different level but the humor was different and i appreciated it more it was um, and even actually by 2011, they they nixed a lot of that. It was more nonstop songs, uh, and it was good to take a breather from the jokes that had been going on for 20 years. You know? Right. Yeah. Sometimes you just gotta let the songs breathe. Yeah. What's your next pitch? I pitched pick. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna <laughs> go with uh, something off the newer stuff. All right. It's actually uh, from Infinite Rider on the Big Dogma. And I'm fairly certain that I saw him perform this in 2014. I did. Uh, so the Monkeys Convention in 2014, uh, it was in March. And he did a show that was... It was the first time I'd ever seen him not play guitar, uh, which was interesting. So basically, it was in the ballroom of the Monkees Convention, and it was 
I think it might have even been a little different from the set he was doing at that time, very slightly. But he did this song that night, and it brought back so many memories. And it was amazing, and he was great doing it live. And that song is Light. Ah. Nice. Yeah, I did not expect to hear it, and he was hitting all those high notes, and it's just, well, at the end of that that verse, when he hits that high note, and then the, the I think the sax comes in, it's just one of those songs I've always loved since the uh, television parts days, but uh, okay. can also be found on the newer stuff. Awesome, good pick. That's a song, like, that, that, that was hitting me this week uh, when I was listening to the newer stuff. I'm not as familiar. Like I said, I just got the newer stuff not long ago and Infinite Rider and the Big Dogma. That was one I got. I got this summer too. And I just haven't spent much time with it. So I'm not as familiar with that song as you are, but it stands out to me every time I hear it. And listening to the newer stuff has made me really want to spend some time with Infinite Rider on the Big Dogma because there's some, there must be some like great other tunes on there because like Cruising was something that was getting me this week. So yeah, great pick. Awesome. Yeah. It's also interesting because uh, have you seen the videos for any of these from television parts? Uh, Cruisin' and Rio, I've seen. Okay. Uh, so, Light, it, it's interesting because it's it's maybe the one that doesn't have, I don't want to say humor, but um, there are videos for all these songs. I'll, I'll Remember You, Chow Mein and Bowling. <laughs> uh, you know, although, uh, and of course, he didn't write that, but yeah. Eldorado to the Moon. And, uh, but this one was just kind of like a serious song with a serious video. And there wasn't any like undercurrent of silliness or quirkiness that you get in like a cruise in, uh, because the video is a little quirky. Uh, and it was just like, it, it really, it really took me by surprise as a kid. And, and it was one of those that, I probably revisited that night when he was on stage. He brought it back to me. And I don't know that I probably wouldn't be talking about it now if not for seeing it there seven years ago. Uh, But yeah, an amazing moment and an amazing song. Wonderful. Give us a little lead in. Uh, From Infinite Rider on the Big Dogma, this is Light.
Next, I kind of wanted to touch on, uh, before I do my next pick, I, I this is one of my little points I came up with. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mentioned this on the set list episode. The Monkees, to me, still seem more like a band than they do a television show. That's just because of the way I was introduced to them. It was very very much for the music. And I've, I've watched the whole show through once, and I need to do it again. But I wanted to talk about, especially because you're very familiar with the show, you came in uh, during the Pleasant Valley Sunday Marathon. Like, about what you thought Nez's role was like in the show. Like I, I kind of saw him as the, the kind of like serious, but funny guy in the group. Like Mickey is very wacky and out there. Like he's willing to like, you know, like make his face weird or do a funny voice or just be incredibly over the top. And Davey has that wonderful British humor going on. And Peter just kind of is like the lovable goofball. But what, what do you, how do you view Mike's? Cause I've always found him to be the most interesting in that. Like, cause he, he can be incredibly goofy, but he can also be, played it incredibly straight and still be funny so it's yeah. interesting you should say that uh because i was a monkey's kid 81 i remembered mm-hmm. it from when i was seven so when it was on mtv i probably talked about this in the episode with you before when i saw it on mtv it was kind of like nostalgia i was 13 but i was having nostalgia for the show i remembered from when i was eight that i hadn't seen on tv in all those years now right that all those years is a very small amount of time. Yeah. Uh, Feels but, like forever as a kid, though. Uh, oh, yeah, it does. Um, and I remember when I when I saw, I just caught the very end of the Pleasant Valley Sunday Marathon, and I remember seeing the closing credits and being like, oh, my God, I I totally remember. They're, they're going to do the four faces, and they're going to zoom out, and then there's going to, and it was all exactly as I remembered. Um, but the show started airing, regularly on MTV and Nickelodeon. I can't remember when Nickelodeon started. Probably by the next year, if not before. And the first two episodes, they showed two a day or, or like a, an hour block. And I recorded two. And for some reason, those two I watched over and over and over again. And the first one was I've got a little song here, which is where Mike writes, gonna buy me a dog. Yep. And um, gets swindled out of money by a high class music publisher. <laughs> and so he was, he's, he's just in that episode, he plays, and Megan mentioned this too. We, we did an episode, I think, on favorite 
when Peter passed, we did an episode on, on favorite monkeys moments and episodes. And he is the excited kid who just wrote a song and he's calling everybody he knows to tell them that he's got this song published and then he realizes he's been ripped off and he's he's got to play it sad and it's uh it it was maybe one of the the best and largest uh changes in acting throughout an episode and so I probably didn't know it at the time, but I, I really took to him in that episode particularly because it, it still kind of gives me a feeling now when I see it um, of great memories and also just how, how great he is in that episode. Um, and so that's probably, uh, to sum it up, I, I think, I saw his range in that episode, didn't realize it when I was a kid until many years later. But I knew that episode was something special that I revisited a lot. So I think that I, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but it, it does. It does in a way. Like that, like that does that does a good that's a good way to show like the breadth of the scope of his acting. Like he's not just he's he's zany in that episode, but he's also, you know, there's some real sadness in there. And I think I don't know what his publishing situation was like, but I'm assuming just based on my knowledge of the music industry. You know around that time i'm sure he signed away a good bit of those early songs you know really? so yeah that's probably a hit close to home in a way the yeah. one the one that i the sticks in my mind and i'm not sure why it does but i love the episode where he runs for mayor um great one yeah that, that's a good one like because you can see like i love you know he i think that like anyone that gets into politics he has real hopes to you know, make some changes at first but then you know of course it, it gets dirty and tainted and i don't know he just kind of at the end of it, he realizes like he lost sight of the whole thing, and it seems very sincere in that moment when he's you know withdrawing from the campaign. Yeah. So yeah, that that that's the one that stick, sticks in my mind. Uh, but like I said, I got to rewatch the whole show again because yeah, you do. It's been, and, it's been too uh, long. Also, his speech at the end of Devil and Peter Torque is often cited as the best moment in the Monkeys show. Period. People have uh, been bringing that up this week, and I've been trying to remember it. Yeah, so Peter sells his soul to the devil. Yeah, in order to play the harp, and so um, Mike, uh, Mister Zero, is the devil, mm -hmm. and Mike gives a very heartfelt speech about how the music is inside Peter. Nobody can give it to him. Nobody can take it away. If you if you love music, you can play music, and he said it much more eloquently than I could ever do, and it's a a bit of a a, a speech he gives. And it's, I mean, even since 1986, when I became a Monkeys fan, the books talked about it. Everything I read called it, you know, the, the, the highlight of the series. Um, so I would, I would definitely recommend checking that episode out uh, if you don't go through and do the entire run. I'll probably pull, that, pull the box set out and watch it over Christmas for sure. So, so you do have it? Yeah, I, ha I have, well, not the Blu-ray. I have the two Rhino DVD sets. Oh, gotcha, okay. But if I, I have decided if they do decide to reissue the Blu-rays again, like I've heard rumblings, they might. I'm gonna gonna pounce on it. Uh, I know you guys had some issues, you know, getting it. Uh, you know, you talked about it on the show, but that just kind of happened before I was a fan, so I didn't even have a chance to jump on it then. 
just to clarify, the issues were with the structural structural integrity of the box and how it was packed and yeah. not the contents because they did yeah. a fantastic those episodes. In fact, they did, um, I guess it was bef right before the Blu-ray came out when the episodes were, uh, Andrew was, obviously they were mastered from original negatives I, I don't know how film works i'm a right yeah audio guy but i remember megan pointing out to me during the show because they were showing clips on the screen and she was pointing out things that she never saw before because these were straight from the 35 millimeter probably for the first time we'd ever seen clarity like that and then when we finally got it and put it on it was just like it's like seeing them for the first time. It's like seeing them for real and not, you know, on a black and white television. Like it's, yeah. it, it, it's as lifelike as you could get. And uh, the Blu-ray set, one of the best things that's come out of the monkey's camp the last 20 years. It's fantastic. Well, now I really hope they do it because I wouldn't call the DVDs perfect. They're fine, but man, they're fine. They, 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 they're, you can definitely tell that like, they, they it came from something that you know wasn't maybe not stored the best or cared for the best over time, like it, it hadn't had that full restoration that you're talking about. So yeah, I hope that happens again. Yeah, sure. I, I go back to the giant ass VHS box. There was a, uh, a I've box heard about that, this. Yeah, the television and you took the lid off and it was 21 VHS tapes. That was the first one I got. It was 300 400 bucks, but wow. at the time it was like. Uh, because all my episodes were recorded off MTV in 86, 87 on, you might not remember VCR. Oh, I do. Uh, I do. Okay. Just making sure. Um, all, yeah. all recorded on the worst possible speed setting to fit the yep. most on a tape. And my monkeys tapes were shot. And I always, I bought the laser discs. I, I tried to, um, find anybody that had better copies than me to, to copy them. So I was always on a search for a better, a better set of episodes. And, and then you also got to realize that, that when they came out on VHS, this was the first time I'd heard them with the original soundtracks because when they were on MTV mm. and Nickelodeon, most of them used the summer 1967 prints that replaced a lot of the first two album songs with headquarters songs. So yeah, it was, it was good. Those were good days. It was a consistent barrage of songs, like I'm a believer, over and over and over again. Oh yeah, when you watch that box and Megan and I, Megan and I watched it in the order they were filmed. Okay. And I think it, it might even be worse that way because <laughs> when they when they I, I, I might have it backwards, but when I think it was when they aired, they shuffled a little bit. Yeah. When you watch them in production order, you get Last Train to Clarksville seven times, you know. Oof. Hey, hey, hey. Roughly. Well, but but you know, it's a it's a fun it's a fun journey. I recommend to, to go through and marathon it. It's a good time. I absolutely will. And to transition to something a bit more obscure, my next pick, uh, I'm gonna go with something from the Missing Links album. Uh, it was first released as an Esma solo tune called Continuing. But I'm going to go with the original Carlisle Wheeling. Uh, this is a song that's really like grabbed me. Conversations. Oh, conversations. Right. My bad. 
Oops. Uh, yeah, edit that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Carlisle Wheeling. Love that song. That's a song that's really like grabbed me this last year. Um, listening to Missing Links Volume One and really digging into those songs for the first time. Like I held out till I found a CD copy that wasn't like a hundred bucks, and I finally found one. And man, they go for that much, really? They go for a lot on eBay, man. It's insane. I, I think I still paid thirty for the one I got, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those those uh Missing Link CDs are probably the most expensive monkey CDs I've paid for. Interesting because I've paid a lot for some monkey CDs that I regret. Pool it. <laughs> for. The, the Friday music pool it from 2012. It couldn't have even been like an 80s thing that I paid a lot right. of money for. It was something that was released like five years before I paid that much for it. Ridiculous. <laughs> so funny still. So funny. Yeah, I, I do not regret what I paid for any of those because all of those have great songs on them. And yeah, Carlisle Wheeling, like it's a song about a relationship and how it changes over time. And I thought it was so cool that it kind of got new life this year when Mickey did his version of it, which I thought was great too. It kind of had that trippy middle section, but man, Mike's original version that you hear on Missing Links is just so cool. I love him counting off in the beginning. And he starts playing. Yeah, great song. What do you think of that one? It's always been a favorite of mine. It was one of those that when I first heard it on the the vinyl of Missing Links, just... You know, and I say this every time that, you know, I, I do any kind of monkeys episode, just like the amount of songs that sat that were as great as this. I mean, he he revisited it quickly, but I don't think anything can touch that first version. No. Um, he really nailed it. And it, it's just like the lyrics, I, I just pulled them up. That that last stanza is just so good um, and so sad, just like yeah. um, and presented so well. It's just one of those things that, as a songwriter, there are so many times where there's been a feeling, and it's been like I really wish that I had what it takes to properly convey this, so that somebody listening to it will understand exactly what I'm feeling right now. This song does that perfectly uh and it, it, it's it's so good um yeah i, I don't know yeah. what else i can say yeah, those, those, it, it's, those it's lyrics. perfect it's perfect yeah those lyrics some of his best for sure and my theory to, to answer your question real quick before I, I do my introduction my theory as to why we got some of what we got and what was held back is i think maybe because nez was getting a little tired of the monkeys at that point he might have held back the good stuff I was like, I'll, I'll give you Never Tell a Woman Yes, and I'll give you Oklahoma Backroom Dancer. Thanks. But Th- I, I, thanks, I, the monkeys present. I, I, I'm, I'm keeping Carlisle Wheeling, and I'm keeping Nine Times Blue, and I'm keeping, you know, Joanne and all these great songs. <laughs> but I mean, the, the other side of this, well, you know, we can get into this after you introduce yep. Give us something to talk so, about after. Absolutely, yeah. So from uh, Missing Links, take a little walk, walk down memory lane. This is Carlisle Wheeling. Three, 
saw precious things come into view When I bored through the files Taken off my metal shelf I dusted off some memories of you Then I thought about the time When all the birds green How the phoenix of our love First flapped its silver wings All the urgency and passion Each new day as it happened How it all mellowed as it grew I remember the times That our laughter would explode And how you would turn to hide your smile Then the hours of silence While the perfumed can blow And both our thoughts on for miles I remember the time I said I really had to go I remember the tears that filled your eyes Then I touched your hand and told you that it really was a lie Though you never knew it did I cried It's amazing All the years that roll by can start you listening Not just to what they say but what they mean So forgive me my dear if I seem preoccupied If the razor edge of youth filled love is gone But we're both a little older our relationship has grown Not just in how it's shaped but how it's shown So forgive me, my dear, if I seem preoccupied If the razor edge of youth will love is gone But we're both a little older Our relationship has grown Not just in how it's shaped, but how it's shown So, I mean, when, when I think about that, yeah, there's a thing to holding songs back, but I mean, look at that stretch that he did between like 68 and 69. True. Now, Carlisle Wheeling, you have the Crippled Lion, Hollywood, uh, and, and some of those he, he held on to and, and some he didn't. But I mean, these were recorded fully you know uh, and there actually there are a lot of backing tracks that he reported with the around the time of the monkeys that never got finished yeah see the present box set but uh just that stretch he did in 68 is just like you could make a great solid album out of the unreleased song listen to the band as part of that yeah you could just take the stuff that didn't make monkeys records in 68 69 and make one of the most solid ass records just out of the songs that just got passed by or left for whatever reason. I'll say it, it would be the best country rock album of all time. Like, it would be. There's no question. 
like this stuff is fantastic. Some yeah. of Shelley's blues, Propinquity, all that stuff. I mean, he he knew to re-record some of these. Yep. You know, because they were so great. But there are also a bunch of them that just you know, until Missing Links, we wouldn't have heard them. You know? Yep. The the one that I've always found surprising is just because. It seems to be the most random. I know this is a weird sidebar, but I, I'd like to get your thoughts. Is Angel Band when when we get to Missing Links Three? I've always found that to be like you had all these great songs. Why are you recording this old gospel stand or standard? It's weird. It, it's yeah. it's uh, I've never really I've never really been in love with that version of it either. It's always yeah. just kind of been like, and I, I think. I kind of have that around Missing Links 3 to some extent, unfairly. Uh, a lot of that stuff, and I don't know if it was just the time period, but it felt like, well, yeah, I, I think I can say it's not as good as 1 or 2. Oh, not at all, uh, no. Obviously, they took the best tracks for 1 and 2. <laughs> but then over the years, like, I rediscovered Smile by Davey, which I think is great. Um, and I never really gave it a shot, you know, before. Oh yeah, Missing Links Three was a listen to it once, and I never went back to it. But now that I kind of have things chronologically and uh, in all sorts of playlists for working on this book uh, that I'm working on, listening to things in perspective has given me much of a, a greater appreciation of where it falls in the timeline. Yeah, I gained a greater appreciation for that one when we did our last episode, and I checked it out after it just sitting on my shelf for quite a few years, like I, I bought it in kind of the kept the catch them all phase of my monkey fandom, but I kind of figured it was bottom of the barrel because of the stuff like, you know, like the commercial jingles and whatnot. So I just kind of like, okay, I'll get to this yeah. eventually, but man, stuff like tear the top right off my head and penny music. There's some great stuff on there. Steam engine. Penny music's another one. Never cared about penny music. And then all of a sudden I heard it kind of came up somewhere and I was like, Oh, for a penny and not a penny, a penny less. less. It's so good. How could I not have loved that? Yeah, the, good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> catchy ass song. It really uh, is. So my, my, I guess my, my next question is, is so we're, we're getting close to the end. We've each got one more song, song left to pick. So I guess for you, and maybe it's too, too soon to ask this question, but like to kind of start bringing it all home, like as you look at the end of the like your your time like you know seeing the monkeys live and stuff like that and kind of thinking you wrapped it up in 2016 but going one last time like like are you are you happy on like the note you ended it on or do you kind of look back at seeing what the tour was right now or at and think oh, maybe i should have like or are you kind of like satisfied with the last number you have with it i i don't have regrets about not going um so the show that we saw at Pantages in 2016, Mike said was going to be his final show as a monkey. Yeah. And I think that might have been why they, brand, after Peter passed, they branded it as uh, the Mike and Nikki show. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't technically a monkey show. Right. Until, until I think people just didn't care and then they just started calling them monkey shows. Yeah. So we said our goodbyes that night to not only Mike, but I think the monkeys as well. Um, it, it seemed like a good note to go out on because Mike wasn't on that tour, the Good Times tour. Yeah. And we'd, we'd seen Nikki and Peter, and it was good. But after 
seeing the three of them without Mike and then the three of them without Davey, seeing two of them was just not a monkeys that I wanted. And I mean, fuck me. Who, who cares what I think? I mean, it's, it's, it, it just. I mean, it's, it's a valid opinion. Like, you're allowed yeah, to I feel mean, the way you feel. Yeah. It, you know, certain times it's, and like I said, over the years, sometimes it worked for me and sometimes it didn't. But this seemed like the note to go out on. Right. Very successful record, Good Times. That Pantasia show was one of the most emotional nights of my life because I, I did think it was the end. And for Peter being with them, it was his last show with Mike. Uh, I'm fairly certain. Uh, so we were not going to go see the Mike and Mickey show. It was the fact that they did St. Matthew that convinced me to go. Uh, so it was the set list that brought me in. Yeah. I enjoyed that tour, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed uh, the tours previous. So I, I think it was it was down again to two monkeys this time out of necessity. And um, I think I think once was enough for that show for me, uh, and I, I I try to be careful what I say about it. Uh, I, I know you don't want to kick the hornet's nest that is the monkeys fan base. I'm sure I'll get some yeah. shit for what I'm about to say. I mean, I I we I mean it, it's it's such a sensitive subject, but yeah. I mean I I think I think we can sum it up by saying. It was obvious that Nez was not well. Um, seeing yeah. him on live streams before the tour, it was obvious that he was not well, and that's why I didn't go. Um, right. I I just thought that maybe the time had passed, and I don't think I was wrong. Uh, but uh, it, it, I would. I have no regrets about going, but I, I would like to have seen him be that happy. Had I known that his performance might be lacking in some areas, but that his attitude and and uh, just graciousness to be on that stage would really come through like I feel it did, that's something I would have liked to have seen. I don't know how I would have felt balancing that with him performing in a diminished capacity. Um, you know, it's it, as a fan, it's something that, you know, I, I kind of, that was my choice. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't regret it, but I, I, if I had to do all over again, I, I might have done something differently. Yeah, had any idea that it was going to be this soon? You know, who thought a month after the tour he'd be gone? Yeah. So it's um, I mean, it's it's delicate, and uh, I I just try. I, I had a tendency to just run off at the mouth because I, I'm fascinated by fandoms. I think I, that. Uh, go no, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't think you run off at the mouth. Like, one thing I like about you is I appreciate your honesty that you feel that way. I, like, 
I didn't think we'd be bringing Kiss into this, but people love to prop up a de- <laughs> uh, prop up a dead horse, so to speak, uh, by any means necessary, even if it's with backing tracks. And it's obvious it isn't good as good as it was, but there there it is. So I don't think there's any issue. Like if you feel like, you know, this isn't for me. Like you know, I've seen what I need to see. I'm good. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with expressing that sentiment. And that's why I asked, because, you know, I was curious if if that, you know, knowing that he was more jovial and maybe full life would have like tempered it or if he would have been fine with it. So I appreciate your honesty. I really do. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you can't, you can't change it. I, I, I do wish that, um, uh, I, I think that, the pandemic was, I mean, obviously unfortunate for everyone, unfortunate for a lot of people. Uh, I don't, I, I think it was Andrew said something in maybe his tribute that the pandemic atrophied him a bit. Uh, I, I agree. So it's, it's that yeah, thing but, where if a shark, if a shark stops moving, it dies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I did not like what I was seeing before the tour. And I, I, I probably even said it on, on your episode, if I wanted anything for him, I wanted him to live the rest of his life in a marijuana haze that I don't want to watch. Uh, it, his live streams were becoming a little a little too much and and it saddened me i mean that was the you know it, there was no glee in any of this obviously uh i i was saddened to see what was happening and that's why i didn't want to go and megan felt the same way about it and yeah. um you know i i i was glad uh when friends of mine went and they all reported back that he was unable to do certain things, but that there was something that obscured that, eclipsed that. Yeah. That I, I did not consider when deciding not to go. That might have changed my mind. Okay. Uh, for everyone that did go, you included, I'm so glad that you got to see that. Because I didn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I love that he pulled out one of my favorites for that last tour. And I, I didn't get to see it. I don't love that part of it. Was it While I Cry or was while it? While I Cry. Okay. Yeah, I, I never would have. Even after Mickey covering it on, on the Nesmith tribute album. I would never have thought we'd get that. A, 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 a fucking instant replay song that they've never performed live before? Who besides me would be asking for that? And it was goofballs like me. Right, yeah. But me, it was like me and you. magical. Yeah, it was a, that was an emotional moment in the show. Talk, he was talking about how, you know, he. The, he felt like the record company sometimes didn't see the monkeys fans as people with emotions you know like you don't you don't want to put out a sad song like this and he goes no monkeys fans you know feel just the same way everyone else does they're not happy all the time so that was a highly emotional moment of the show and 
I, 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 quick sidebar, I, I love how long this episode has gone. I, I planned on doing a short episode, and here we are. But I, you got I, me on. That's not happening. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, I'm, I, I'll just say for the show, it had a lot of moments I enjoyed. There are moments I could not deny that were that weren't perfect. But like I think you put it really well. There was something that obscured it. Like Love Is Only Sleeping was extremely shaky, but it was I can still say I saw it, and it didn't diminish the highlights of the sh- of the show. It didn't take anything away from it. So yeah um with that i think I, yeah i was the last one that went with carlisle wheeling so next is uh your final pick what what are you going to send us send us home with okay uh before i do that I, I just want to say something about while i cry that i would absolutely put next to carlisle wheeling in terms of a uh a lyric that is heartbreaking and i never uh, I didn't watch many videos from this tour. I did watch While I Cry because I wanted to see it. And the lyric really hit me uh, in a way that it never did before. Uh, so that's one I would absolutely pick. Probably cheating for me to talk about it. Nah. Like, uh, like it's my next pick. But but the uh, the pick I, I have is probably a good one for me to end on. Uh, we're going to 1992. Ooh. I'm not uh, uh, tremendously familiar with Tropical Campfires as an album. I've obviously heard it, do own it. Just one I never went back to a lot. But seeing this song performed live a few times, I guess I saw him, I guess maybe three times uh, solo since 2013. And this one always brought a smile on my face and he out of all the songs in the set it's the song that he looked like he was having the most fun performing and it's laugh kills lonesome great pick um trouble campfires is an album i need to spend more time with it's on my shelf i don't think i've ever spun it but i know that song i heard it this last week on i listened to the infinite tuesday album uh because mm-hmm. For fans out there, like if you're a Monkeys fan, you're not really sure where to go with Nez Solo. That's a good little taster. It's got a few Monkeys tracks mixed in, but it'll it'll whet your appetite for what's out there. I always and, forget about that. Yeah, I always yeah. forget that, that that's what's on there. Yeah, it's it's a great song. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much to say about it just because I'm not as familiar with it as you are. But yeah, that's a great pick. You want to give us a little intro? I mean, how can you deny? Such so good. Uh, that's why Charlie Russell painted it. Laugh kills lonesome. Charlie Rose. 
<laughs> nice. Great stuff. Craig, this has been an abs- absolute pleasure. I love having you on my podcast. I, I was hoping oh, the next fine. time I was the next time I would have you on would be something maybe for fun, maybe like Lana Del Rey. But uh, we, we find ourselves, uh, you know, in the midst of of this unfortunate uh, passing. And who, who knows, maybe there'll be a Lana episode in the new year. But to bring it all home, my last talking point is uh, how do you view Nez's legacy for you? Like what is like when you look at the legacy of Michael Nesmith, like what's the thing you take away? And like, what's kind of the thing that makes you smile when you look back on it all? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's been, you know, that, that kind of thing going on now where you find those articles online that just, after somebody's passed, that compile all the tweets from celebrities and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's just seeing and this is an obvious one but seeing paul stanley tweet about michael nesmith to me is just like weird worlds colliding yeah that was Uh, a strange one i woke up this morning and billy corgan did a live stream billy corgan from smashing pumpkins he's a bit of an abrasive character at times (laughs) yeah um and he was talking about, he's like, you know, I, I was thinking about doing a video where I talk about the Beatles Get Back series. Let me know if you want to hear me talk about that. And uh, I also want to talk about how the monkeys fit into the whole Beatles thing. And I was like, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I, I was just waiting for it. And he's like, you know, uh, he said that he had just read Infinite Tuesday last week. Uh, and that he uh, had great things to say about Somebody asked him his favorite Nez song. He said it was different drum. Uh, so just hearing these tributes just really put on. I, actually, I can sum it up this way. I don't give a fuck about the monkeys being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Me either. Don't care about it. I don't know why people think it's such a big deal until Mike passed. And for some reason, I felt a sadness that he did not get to see that because I feel like his and, and you know what I would I would even say that he might be a contender before the monkeys game uh, if if anything at all because he's got the the country rock on his side and um, again it's not my forte but I've heard a lot of people saying things over the last few days about. Graham Parsons gets the credit, but it was this guy right here, Michael Nesmith. And I think that I I really uh, uh, kind of feel for his legacy as pioneering country rock, cosmic country, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, that's where it, it's landing for me right now. And just, um, I because all the tributes you see it's just like you know you might not know this but the guy invented country rock and he wrote different drum for linda rodstadt you might not know that fact and it's just like why couldn't people talk about this shit when he was more when he was alive that's the part that's the part i find frustrating too because i i feel like country rock owes him a debt the eagles poco all those 70s bands you know they firefall they they owe a debt to kind of the sound that that i don't know if cram or mike came first but yeah that's been a bittersweet part but i said i think i said to mara i'm like you you watch there's going to be high praise for those first national band albums and there's going to be some reissues 
like I, I guarantee goddamn to you, those records are going to be remastered and we're going to see deluxe editions. And it's always going to be, be it's going to come like these hidden classics, but it, it always is, it feels bittersweet to me. I'm like, cause like they've been there. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's no secret that he wrote different drum. It's in the credits of the, of the album, but like it's, he's always been there. So I don't know. It's bittersweet. Yeah, the frustrating part is you have people that'll tell you this now. Like I would have told you this if you didn't know it. It's right. not like a, a, you know, a Nick Drake where, you know, 20 years after the fact, he's rediscovered because of songs at a commercial and then all of a sudden these albums that did shit in the late 60s early 70s are now sought after because people are realizing how genius they are right those people calling thinking this was genius they were in very short supply when nick drake was alive there are tons of people that that blew the mike nesmith horn for years and years and years. And like I said, the country stuff isn't isn't my taste, but the later stuff is. It's it's amazing. I mean, even the stuff that, that I don't have a flair for, like I said, I, I can see the songwriting brilliance in it. Uh, and just the melodies, you know, it's it's when you step back and you look at the catalog. It's it's really a shame that uh, not as many people know it as they should. I, I in fact it was uh, Philly where Joanne broke, and when I saw him the last time that I saw him solo, two thousand eighteen maybe I can't quite remember. Uh, it was not the um, hits tour. Right. It, it was that first national band tour beforehand. Yeah. I remember that because that because that tour didn't have it. That leg of the tour didn't have a Southern California date. And I was bummed. Oh, yeah. Right. So uh, he talked about how it was a, a Philly station, WFIL, that, that broke Joanne. And it just, uh, I was like, well, that's a little bit of Philly trivia that I did not know. And I was surprised that he came out with it. You know? Yeah. 50 years before it's amazing that that's a little tidbit that stuck with him with all he'd been through in the years following, you know? Right. So, um, so it was nice to know that, that Philly had that, that little bit of uh, boost for Joanne. But I mean, even first time I heard that, that's a song I do love. And that's a song that when uh, I, I did not know that song before I picked up that, the album on vinyl as a kid. Yeah. After after the newer stuff, as soon as I put on Joanne, I was like, "What? How how did I not know this?" My dad knew it. My dad came in. And he was like, "Oh, that's I know that song." And I was like, how, "Was this a hit? How, why why yeah. do I know this? Why do I know nothing about this?" So yeah, I, I just wish that you know, and he had the you know the big songwriters uh, uh, singing his praises over the last uh, I, I my I cried when I saw Ringo tweet out a picture of him and like it was just it's like man I, I, I just hope that while he was alive I mean he has accomplished a lot you know you, we didn't really talk about the business side of things but yeah 
yeah, I, I tried to keep it to music, but yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, he did incredibly well with a lot of different things. And uh, it's, I mean, he, he really did it all <laughs> from films to television to music. It was, I mean, that, that dude packed a lot into his lifetime. The man encompassed the whole entertainment industry, for sure. Yeah. Like, he, 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 from one side to the next. And I, I think what I'll say on it as I look back on all, everything he's done is his music is just always going to be like, I love the monkeys. They're always, they're, they're a band I've really bonded with since I got into them. I always keep coming back to them, but his solo stuff as well. I'm always going to be a Nesmith fan. I'm always going to come back to the, those records specifically because there's just something magical about them. They, they always feel fresh to me. The lyrics always catch my ear. The melodies always catch my ear. There's a magic in those, those albums. There's no, there's no other country music that sounds like him. And I've tried, I've tried to find something similar and there's nothing that, that is like that. It's a, it's a rare bird in music. So. And on top of that, the dude could turn a phrase. Yep. He he was a, I mean, not even just with lyrics, but his, his prose, the book, uh, Mm -hmm. even, you know, interviews, the meet and greet, you know, it was all just like, he just had a way about him that was poetic. I think it's probably the only way to put it. Yeah, he, he definitely was. Like, one, the first thing I reached for after I heard he passed was uh, Cosmic Partners, which is something 7A put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like uh, him at live the McKay Caves Guitar Shop in Santa Monica. And I love that release because that part of him comes through so much with the audience banter. It's so funny and witty, like, you know, to hear him talking about Red playing the steel guitar and he compares it you know it's not about his catch playing a pinball machi- machine but you know <laughs> you know you, there's re- really no room for an external boogie you're not going to see him you know red take a shirt off or set it on fire or anything like that you know you know I, I i love stuff like that just the way he describes things is so cool or like kind of having a little oopsie with the band when they're trying to start brand on we or like him just busting out like a 10 minute story about getting mobbed when he was in the monkeys like it's such a fun release like his personality shines through on that and i encourage you out there if you if you've not heard that go pick it up or if it's available for streaming stream it because it's fantastic like you you want to get to know who nez was listen to that you will understand him by the end of the record yeah agreed it's it's really good there was a picture that somebody posted uh i I wish i could remember who it was or where it was but he saw Nez play in 78 or 79 yeah and it was it looked like a work office like he was standing on a stage and there was a drop ceiling like three inches above his head (laughs) and he was wearing like a a jacket and tie and and had the electric guitar and it looked like it looked like your bar band playing a work function right and it was just like a picture of Nez and I was like imagine seeing him in those years like that must have been a trip like the so weird the time before the monkeys reunion in 86 and just when pacific arts started really take off yeah yeah that Uh, had to be so weird yeah yeah it's just what a life yep to the cosmic cowboy yep we salute you uh, so my final pick is I'm going to go back to the show I saw the hits keep coming to her. Um, that I, that album is so special to me now, uh, especially after seeing that show. And I'm going to go with my favorite song on the record. It's the closing number. It's called roll with the flow. Um, 
I love the lyrics on this one. Again, I posted them right after he passed. My favorite like passage in the song is he's talking about, you know, life is going to come at you and it's going to suck sometimes and it's going to be great. But you just got to go with it. And I've, I've really, you know, needed that this last week, you know, there might be some trepidation, but don't let hesitation deprive you of hope or try to replace it with fear. Just roll with the flow wherever it goes, even if it rolls out of here, you know, the, roll with the changes. It's going to, you know, life's going to come at you hard and fast, but if you keep moving, it's going to be okay. And man, like that, that sentiment just, shown through this last week it's a great song it's it, it, make, it makes me feel hopeful every time i hear it like it's just like it, it's a it, hearing it feels like a little reminder things are going to be okay and i have a great memory of watching it pre- being performed live when he did it um there were these two gentlemen at the same table i was at the coach house uh at this venue there's no standing room like there's like tables so you're sitting and the two gentlemen across me i've been talking to them before the show and they were talking about what big fans of the record they were and like how they grew up with it as kids and the hits just keep coming. And when he started playing that song, they started crying and they had their arms around each other and they're singing along. And I just thought it was such a cool moment for them. And I felt, I was so happy for them because it's, you know, to have like, I know what that feels like to have a record you grew up with. And that means so much to you. And to finally hear a song that you love this much, be played live. It's, it's a magical thing. And I, probably only known that song for like a couple months at that point at that point and like to them it was like a it was like a fulfilling fulfilling moment like after so many years so yeah that song has some special magic for me so i'm gonna go with roll with the flow do you have any thoughts uh i was glad that you went for this time period because i kind of felt like um his his period after the first national band was being ignored to some extent so i'm, I'm glad you came up with this one i mean oh yeah the, I don't know that there's a better song to end on. It's just such a great and and lyrically so good. The word didactic in this song, I believe. Yeah, there was a didactic didactic minister minister, who told me of sinister things which would happen if I were to do something wrong. Didactic. Yep. This is the man that put Phantasmagoric in Daily Nightly. So, uh, (laughs) yep. He also uh had a way with the the english language definitely yep but yeah i mean just a, a great song and a fitting way to end absolutely i'm glad i got to see it live um, I'm, I'm jealous <laughs> yeah i gotta see if i can find that video of it uh I'll post it if i do but craig thanks for coming on again like Thank i said to, to listeners next year who knows we may be getting together if i can convince craig to do some lana del rey talk um but you're, you're pushing lana on me I, it's it's not gonna take much I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, i'm ready to do it right now I'll do All it right. <laughs> oh man oh man my wife might kill me but uh, <laughs> with, with that said uh Thanks again, Nez. Like I said, we salute you. Uh, Till next time. Thank you. I just want to say, um, uh, as a as a fan of the podcast, uh, always thank you. Always uh, happy when when you want to chat. Uh, I I value our friendship very much and uh, love chats like this. So thank you for asking me to do this. There are lots of monkeys fans that you could have called so i appreciate that uh that you asked me to do this and this is kind of i toyed with the idea of putting together a tribute episode uh but i think that i just did it with you so i think Thank this you. was this was uh how uh i i want to remember Nez. uh it's all here so uh, 
awesome. where I'll refer people. And thank you again. Thank you so much, Greg. Peace, love, roll with the flow. She was a lackluster lover who thought of another when I offered her my hand to help her in out of the rain. Then she became quite possessive when I gave her the message that I had to leave on the outbound 10 o'clock train. She said I thought you were stable and that I might be able to talk you into sticking around for a couple of years. I said I roll with the flow wherever it goes and it's rolling out of here. There was this didactic minister who told me of sinister things which would happen if I were to something wrong He spoke at length about brimstone and lives that were based on belief that the bad and the good were equally strong That's why I think I undid him when I started to get him cause he said if you give me some time I'll make it quite clear I said I roll with the flow where
Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.